This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. It's a happy new year, 2020. Is it the year of the Phillies? Man, I hope so. And today I caught up with two possible, actually let's not call it possible, let's call them definite call-ups to the big leagues at some point to be impact players. One is Alec Bohm and the other is Connor Brogdon. You want to hear about them? A little talk on Pine Tar for breakfast? Stay tuned, right here, next. In the air to left. Down. What up? And welcome to the first episode of 2020. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen. And I mean, let's let's be honest here. There's a lot going on in baseball. I will take that up in a next episode, probably tomorrow, uh, talking more about the Astros deal, how everything's going to, you know, where does baseball go from here? Uh, obviously, it's a huge story. But what's big right now here in Philadelphia is what the Phillies do is they do a, a rookie minor league um, player summit. And it is for, you know, these these up-and-coming minor leaguers, guys that have a possible impact this year, maybe in, in, in two years, but most likely this year, they get a lot of training. They get the social media training. They get the media training. They get uh, nutritional training. They get strength and conditioning. They get to meet all the coaches. Uh, obviously, a, a big one is meeting the new manager in, in Joe Girardi. Uh, Matt Clintack, the GM, and, and the entire staff. So I think it's a huge, huge opportunity for a lot of guys. Not a lot of organizations do it. Um, and there's a rookie seminar that they do for about three to four guys in the organization. From every organization comes uh, and, and meets and does a seminar, but that's different. This is more specific towards the Philadelphia Phillies, and it's great to see some of the guys that are here. I was fortunate enough last night to talk to two of the up-and-coming guys and one that you've heard a lot of, one that you might have heard of if you're deep into the Phillies farm system, but it's really not going that deep because the guy ended up in AAA and dominating. So Alec Bohm, Connor Brogdon joined me last night during and after post-sponsors event that was fantastic, and thank you to all the sponsors that show up and continue to support the Phillies um, and like Joe Girardi said, without them, we're not able to get the guys like Zach Wheeler, Didi Gregorius, JT Realmuto, keep them here, and, and Bryce Harper. Um, that is a huge thing, and so thank you again. But right now, let me introduce you to Alec Bohm. Sitting here in the Phillies clubhouse with future prospect, not even future prospect, future big leaguer, Alec Bohm. Alec, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Well, I'm all right. Uh, we're passing back and forth a, uh, a microphone right now because this guy doesn't know how to work all technology, which is uh, not a surprise. But you're here right now in Philadelphia for a player summit. and Mostly it's a rookie seminar. 
right? I mean, you're going through a bunch of stuff. Can you let the fans know what this whole thing's about? 13, 14 guys are here, all prospects, all with big league dreams, all that are right close to it. Tell everyone about it. Yeah, in short, they're just kind of teaching us how to be pros. We're uh, we're going through media training, social media training, uh, and just meeting all the staff around here, people that work at the stadium, and uh, you know everybody that supports the Phillies. What's the one thing in the in the couple days that you've been here so far? What is one of the biggest eye openers for you? Whether it is in the media training, whether it is with, with something that you know. Um, a speaker came in to talk about what's the one thing that you've taken away so far that you're going to be a pro I gotta do that uh I don't know if there's one exact thing but just this morning uh Joe Girardi and Rob Thompson sat down and talked with us and just the uh how real of people they were with us and how uh you know how much they cared about each one of us as individuals and you know just how genuine they were wanting to get to know us and everything was uh, something that kind of stood out to me and just uh, how useful all the the media training is and how, you know, that just really the small things that small things and tips that they gave us to help us not make a fool of ourselves in the media. I don't see you being one of those guys that would make a fool of yourself in the media, though. Yeah, I'm usually... I'm on the quiet side, but they've also, you know, had things to say about helping a guy like me kind of come out of this shell and, you know, just deal with the media better, I guess. So one of the reasons why you're here uh, is the, you know, the potential of you being here and sooner rather than later. And that's because of what, not where you were drafted. uh, It was what you've done on the field. And, you know, 2019 was a hell of a year for you. You go from, you go from Lakewood, and then you get up, you go to Clearwater, dominate there, go to Reading, and you end up with what, like 55 extra base hits, 21 home runs, uh, 80 RBIs, 305 batting average. This is off the top of my head, by the way, because no internet in here. Boom, that's what I do, research. Uh, so w- when you think about where you started, right, in Lakewood, to where you ended up in Reading, like you're on the cusp, and you knew that. But what was your mindset going when you started in Lakewood? Uh, yeah, starting out the year going to Lakewood, I was I was more upset because I I didn't want to go play in the cold <laughs> at first. But it's something I've dealt with my whole life, so it's really not a problem at all. But just the thought of being able to start in Clearwater was in the back of my mind. But uh, no, going there, starting in Lakewood, I just you know I just figured that. You, you know what, I got to go take care of business here and take the next step. And uh, I actually started out 0 for 10 in Lakewood, and I'm sitting in the hotel room one night like, wow, I might I might be here all year. <laughs> and then, you know, sure enough, things turn around, and before I know it, I'm up in Reading in double A. What's the one thing that you, you go from each, you know, level, and, and you look at not only how you perform, but, the you know, the competition that you faced, and, and as – Things got to double A. I'm sure, you know, details were, you know, taken care of a little bit more by, by pitchers uh, when it came to, you know, your preparation. Did everything stay the same? Did you you found that routine? It, what, what were certain things that you noticed between, you know, the three levels? Uh, yes and no. You know, I had kind of the same routine, but it developed a little bit, changed here and there. But really it just, 
changed because I had to adapt to the competition I was facing, you know, going from Lakewood to Clearwater to Reading, obviously you're facing guys that are older and older at each level, guys that have been around for longer, guys that are more polished, you know, the difference between low A and, and double A is, I mean, obviously guys know for the most part where they're throwing the ball each pitch. They have a, a plan that has obviously worked for them for most likely a couple years now and they're going to try to find a weakness attack it and exploit it and if you can't adjust to that then you're going to get exposed the one thing that like always you know I'm, I'm i'm six feet okay in cleats and everything but that's what i always said in the program and everything but you being six five and you know the athleticism your your ability to get low i think is is something that you don't really find in, in six five guys because you you handle pitches down really well, and I'm going okay. What is the you know wh- where is the weakness in 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 your game? And I feel like if you go into a an off season, you always want to go after it. What is that weakness from you? For me, it's just been trying to find a way to bring everything together and be the complete player. And so what I've put a lot of focus on is just. Really, the most thing I focused on since I had a long year was just trying to, you know, recover my body and, you know, be ready to go into spring training strong. But just obviously defense, you can never be too good at defense. That's, you know, defense doesn't go into slumps. You can go 0 for 4 and help your team win a game still. But so obviously defense and then just learning and continuing to expand my knowledge about the game hitting and just I'm trying to get stronger and just do whatever I can to help translate things onto the field I think what's crazy is you look at your year and you you look at your numbers and every guy looks at their numbers the one thing I, I look at with you, that just like baffles me. You have 55 extra base hits. You had 57 walks, and you had 73 strikeouts. 73 strikeouts in a day and age where people don't really care if they strike out or not. You don't seem to be that guy. You have a, a – it seems like an approach with two strikes. You don't change into pull, pull, pull. You still use the whole field. In an in a time that we are in where everyone's, you know, trying to harp on, you know, well – fly balls pulled or you know you have your best average on and doing all this what keeps you away from that thought and staying with your thought uh for me I can't do anything for the team if I'm just walking back to the dugout so whether I sacrifice a little bit on my swing to put the ball in play who knows maybe I hit a weak ground ball but maybe they make the error that then we get three hits in a row and soon enough we have four runs so you know just little things like that and honestly I just hate striking out I like I said I just hate walking back to the dugout it just it just makes me feel like I made that pitcher's day and I hate doing that were you the kid in little league that cried when you you struck out I was I'll be honest I, I cried I was pissed because they weren't better than me, and that—that's like their moment of saying they're better. Exactly. No, I don't. I don't know if I ever cry. I—I 
promise you, I've, I've thrown some tantrums, though, yeah. thrown some stuff, and yeah. yeah, I've definitely did that. Everybody has. <laughs> well, we have a lot of things in common here already. But, uh, you know, okay, so when it does come to the draft pick, uh, I bring everything back to, to that because uh, I was a 12th rounder, and I was in the minor leagues for a year and a half before I got to called up to the big leagues, which is not very long at all. But when you're a 12th rounder, there isn't that belief, right? There's like, okay, you know, things are starting to move fast. I, I feel like I got to the big leagues before my mind was ready, right? Things were racing, and maybe my numbers had shown that I could play there. That's fine. But up here, everything was sped up. Being a first rounder, being, what, the third overall pick in the draft, uh, your mind, I feel like, is different. Like, you guys know that you're going to be in the show. Like, when you come in here in, in this clubhouse, in this rookie seminar, you're not saying, like, oh, I'm going to, this is my life. No. You're coming in here and, and you're taking it in, but you're coming in here with a different perspective. Like, you know you're going to be here. Is that, do you like that feeling? Do you like, love the fact, fact that you're in the clubhouse that you're going to live a long time in? Yeah. You know, I really, it just kind of, makes me take a step back and kind of humbles me about how far that I have kind of come in this game and uh something that I kind of figured out was uh in the fall league I had a teammate Trey Harris who was a very late pick and uh like in the 30s 30th round somewhere and uh and he's a lot better than a lot of kids that I have seen picked in the top 10 rounds. And uh, so it kind of reiterates that to me that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you're picked. Nothing's guaranteed. And what matters is how you go about your business, what you do day in and day out and how you perform. So when you, you look at your, your guys that you come up with, um, a lot of them are here uh, at, at this event as well. Um, I think one name that that is always attached with you is Spencer Howard. And I feel like watching you two throughout the, you know, when you got up to double a, when he got healthy and he started pitching and just dominating everything, everything was about you two. And do you guys, did you guys ever talk about it during the season? Like, man, we could be up there. We could be up there doing some things like we're going to do this together. Is there any thought of that? No, not we. I mean, with Spencer, Spencer's one of my favorite teammates because he's he's a clown, but he has probably some of the best work ethic that I've been around. He He's honestly a really great example. He leads by example, and he's a great example of how guys should go about their business, and I think guys see him and, uh, and really kind of take after him and follow in his footsteps because they've obviously seen the results he's gotten and how uh, how much success he's had, but no, I mean, just being able to kind of come up last year with him, being high with him, even though he was hurt at the time, but he was around, and then uh, being double A with him and just, you know, being in the field, being at third base and watching him pitch, you know, it's one of those days where I know I'm probably not going to get a lot of action <laughs> because it's just, and it's really fun to watch him pitch, and, and I know just he's a great guy to have around, love having him in the clubhouse, and if I could pick a guy to come up with, it would definitely be Spencer. See, that's why, like, okay, so I had been up in a little bit with the Giants. The next year is Linscombe's year. And the stuff that he was doing, very similar to what Spencer's doing. 
as far as like baffling hitters. Like you see the numbers that he's putting up, you're like, oh my god! It was my favorite thing in the world as a position player to watch guys like check swing and make just barely make contact, but like smile down the line. You're like, wait, what the? Wait, what? <laughs> but that's how it was, and it just seemed like the the swings that he was getting, the results that he was getting. I feel like you guys were like that too. Like when someone made contact, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, I'll just say I'm I'm glad. I'm on his team, and I don't have to face him. But, no, being in the fall league, one thing that was cool was we uh, we played with a lot of guys that we played against throughout the year. And one thing a lot of them had to say was, had like, what's – is that kid from Earth? Like, they, it's – like, he's the best pitcher I ever faced. And so that was, that was something that was really cool just to, you know, hear that from other people. And that made me that much more thankful that he's on my side. Did you tell him? Oh, he he knows. He heard it. He heard it. And the best thing about it is he just he just shrugs it off. He doesn't even pay any attention to it. He just goes about his stuff. Well, he's from Cal Poly, and like if you're from Slow, like uh, the, the people around there, they're just as chill as can be. They're like whatever, yeah, that was no big deal. Um, all right, so the guy that just passed us, just in the behind us right now, is Joe Girardi, and uh, obviously, I I'm not gonna say obviously, but I know you've you've met Gabe Kapler in in the past. Uh, and I'm not, this is not trying to, but so you, you've been around now two big league managers. What's the, what, what's the similarity you could bring upon both of those guys in the, in the way they've talked to you? Uh, their attention to detail, but, uh, how much they really listen and how much they pay attention to what you're saying and how genuine and how much they care about whoever they're talking to. It doesn't matter if it was me or you know someone they saw in the hallway but it's that's kind of something that I've noticed and has stood out is just how uh genuine of people they are and uh how they kind of I guess just are more than a a baseball manager I just think it's crazy like I'm I've I've known Gabe for a long time and and I've you know played against Joe and that stuff as a manager that dude is real like he just comes out and he's just like the things that he says, and I feel like as a, as a, a player, when you meet a guy like that and it ends up being your boss, like, you want to follow. Like, people say, oh, I'd run through a wall. Like, yeah, I'd run through a wall for him. Do you get that sense with, with Joe Girardi? Absolutely. You know, you all, yeah, you hear that saying, I'd, I'd run through a brick wall for that guy. And, uh, you know, now I can kind of see being on the professional side of things, guys that do it and manage at the highest level of the game. And you know, hearing what they have to say and just how motivational they are and how, like, you can talk to the guy for 10 minutes and then you want to go work out for two hours <laughs> for whatever reason. And uh, But it's just – it's really cool to be able to just be around them and I guess just learn from them. All right, so you knew it was going to be coming. I mean, you're not going to be on the 40-man at the time, but you knew you were going to be a non-roster guy. But you still get that call, you know, from what Matt or Ned or or someone, and oh, who'd you, uh, Bonifay, perfect. See, we're past this mic bout, so you can't do that little like, you know, little witty thing right there. Let me know. Uh, still cool feeling, like you. I mean, you knew, but at the same time, getting that call just to even you know be there at Big League Camp, knowing that you belong there at that time, it's still. What was that like? It was awesome. Uh, just, you know, 
I missed a call from I was doing something and I didn't have my phone. I get a get a text from Boniface saying call me, and I'm just in my head thinking, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> and uh, you know, he if I I call him back and he, you know we go back and forth a little bit, and then he he tells me, and I was just like, oh, like it, you know, it's just that that kind of feeling that you don't really know how to explain or whatever, but you're just joyful and excited. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see it when the way you're describing it. And um, for me, I, I I look at you and I'm going, this guy has that excitement of going to camp, and and like there's a there's a humbleness behind you, but there's a killer behind you too. You watch your at bats, like it, you don't give in. It's the same way that you're like talking to me right now. You're like, okay, you can see you getting fired up. Like you're a month away now, and that that that, that, that that's coming right now. Yeah, it's coming quick, you know, and uh, just. You got. I feel like, in sports in general, you gotta have that that killer in you, and uh, you know, cause it's it's kind of it's adapt or die, you know, with everything that we do, and uh, and if you're not gonna have the killer instinct, instinct, then the pitcher's gonna have it, and you're not you don't stand a chance. So, I like that thought. Well, Alec, I appreciate you coming uh, on Pine Tower for breakfast. It's uh, evening time, so you could have breakfast for dinner. It doesn't matter. Um, but the next time I talk to you is going to be at spring training and then the big leagues, and then we're going to have waffle or not at some point. That's who you waffle and who dominates you. Most of the people dominate me, so it's usually not Dom. So we're going to have a lot of waffles for you, okay? And uh, good luck. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, appreciate you having me. And that was Alec Bohm. And honestly, as, as big of a human being as he is, 6'5", he is humble. And with that being said, I, I think I, I reiterated a couple of times, some of the answers he's given, he's like, you could see the humbleness, but then if, if you had the eyesight, if he was in your eye, you know, if you were looking at him, I saw the killer instinct. I saw like this guy that was just seething, waiting to get to spring training. Um off air we didn't talk about like oh yeah i'm gonna do this and that no he he was the same way and so uh it was a a very fortunate for me i was very fortunate to be able to talk to a guy like alec and can't wait to see what he you know does in lehigh valley to start the year and then obviously moving on to the big leagues and hopefully being just an impact player as he's been in his short short stint in the minor leagues now on the other side it's not about starting pitching but i think what a lot of us know is that the bullpen is the one thing that still needs to be addressed a little bit. And um, a guy that last year had a very good year and like Alec moved three, three levels this time starting in Clearwater um, is a, uh, is a guy that I'm going to introduce right now. Stay tuned right here on Pine Tar for breakfast for your next relief pitcher. All right. I'm here with Connor Brogdon. Also part of the, we call it the rookie summit here at, at, Citizens Bank Park and Connor, welcome to Pine Tar for Breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen, and uh, yeah, I mean, you're getting this experience. This is amazing. Yeah, it is an amazing experience. Uh, thank, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Um, okay, so you get here, and you know, obviously the days are full. You have a, a long list of things to do, whether it's social media training, media training probably a, a conditioning part, strength and conditioning part, um, a nutrition part. I, I mean, you can name it. You're probably having to do it, deal with it. Which has been your favorite so far? Um, 
Okay. I think I think um, so far my favorite part of the experience has probably been the media part. Um, that's something that, you know, I, I think I've I've always kind of needed some work in um, handling, you know, interviews and stuff like that. I've always been kind of nervous, so kind of getting some tips on on how to handle them and not be so nervous is it's been a lot of uh, it's been a, it's been a real good experience. Well, what makes you nervous on interviews? In all honesty, because I feel like uh, it, it's every everyone is different, and that's the beauty of of talking that's a beauty of being a human right everyone no, not everyone's gonna be the same what is it about you know you communicating with the mu media that makes you nervous um i think it's just you know you don't you don't want to mess up and say the wrong thing um even when it's not live you still worry about saying the wrong thing so i think it's just that pressure of always trying to you know articulate your words and your sentences the right way at least for me anyways that's what makes me the most nervous i i, I don't want to come off you know arrogant or anything like that i always want to you know, word my sentences correctly and, 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 you know, try to answer well if I can. Well, it's crazy because during this time, like 2020, that is something that's a big deal because everything is, you know, you can go back, you know, months and years from, you know, a, a past tweet, a past, you know, something that you said. And it's like, I totally understand because I'm nervous. Like there's certain things that you say on, on the radio uh, that you're, you try to stay so far away from, but if you even comment on it, you know, people bring it back to you. And so it is nerve wracking. So I like hearing, you know, people, what, what makes them nervous about the media. And that, that is a huge thing, especially today's day and age. Yes, but, uh, for sure. I mean, I have uh, close friends and teammates that I know that just, just to be safe, like probably don't even have anything on there, have deleted their entire Twitter just because, you know, it, it could come back to bite them potentially. And, and it, it's pretty crazy, you know, kind of what's going on. And you're you're from a small town in Central Valley, in, in California. Uh, I'm from Northern California. You already we already discussed our bulldog and Spartan uh, rivalry thing here. So, um, getting a chance to come out here, you know, you've played, you know, in Redding, you've played in Lehigh Valley, you've done all that. Like you get to this city, and, and being from California, what what is your experience with it? Uh, it's it's definitely an eye opening experience. This is my first time ever in the city of Philadelphia. Um, driving on the freeway and seeing the skyline and, you know, just the big tall buildings, like that's something that we don't have where I'm from. So, um, you know, you, ha you definitely have that big city feel. Uh, and then, you know, seeing all like the, the sponsors and the fans and the ballpark and everything at these events that we've been, it's, it's evident that the fan base here is crazy and it's, uh, it's definitely an exciting city for sure. All right. So let's get about, talk about you. Cause you know, this is what, this is all about you being on pine tar for breakfast and, Last year, this is all off the top of my head right now, okay? Three levels. You start in Lakewood, go Clearwater, or I take that back. That was that was Alec. Alec had the, see, top of my head. You go Clearwater, then to Redding, and then you dominate, and you go to, to Lehigh Valley. Uh, 76 innings pitched, 106 strikeouts as a reliever. 106 strikeouts as a reliever. That's awesome. Like, okay, so first off, your your journey this year just in general i think what was your mentality i i've i've talked to alec about it i've told you mine about going through th three levels but a pitcher side from moving you know from dominating clearwater to dominating and reading to getting up to lehigh one step away for me my goal coming into the season was just just to make one jump just go from clearwater to reading if i can make that happen um i knew our system was thick we had a lot of pitching and, you know, maybe some of the injuries at the big league level and, and so on kind of helped me out in my process moving forward. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I knew we were thick. So 
the end game for me, the, the biggest goal was to get to Reading. So to be able to move three levels, that was something that I, I never anticipated. And uh, I mean, the most exciting season I've had in baseball so far, for sure. Did you, were you ever able to keep your, like, get your thoughts, right? I mean, like, it, moving up a level is, is awesome. It's, it's crazy, but things start to spin because you're starting to meet new teammates, even if you know them. But you're starting, you know, because you're now you're pitching around them. You're 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 warming up. You want to show your routine. Just make sure that you can stay on your on on point. Was there something that was difficult in moving up each level? Um, I think the transition from A to Double A was was a little bit easier than from Double A AA to Triple A. Um, this year they introduced the new baseball to to the Triple A level, so that was a bit of an adjustment. Luckily, I had been working with that a little bit in Reading. Um, they had uh, kind of had us playing catch with it and stuff just to get a feel. So it wasn't the biggest uh, issue for me. But um, I think just the approach of the hitters at the AAA level from as compared to AA and AAA, there's a lot of vets up there, a lot of guys with big league time. And uh, that, was, that was the hardest thing for me was to kind of change my general approach to, to be able to counter their approach, you know, um, try and miss their barrels as best I could. Cause when I first got up there, I mean, I was getting lit up. So I, I had to really, I had to really, uh, prepare. Uh, I put a lot of time into my preparation and, uh, uh, really focus on my approach, especially for those veteran hitters. So you're facing the veteran hitters and, and yeah, they're, they're going to barrel up some things. They have a plan and you're going, and there has to be like in a bat, maybe a, maybe an outing that you had that you're just like it, it made you take that step back and take a deep breath. You're like, I did it, like, whew. you know what I mean? Like you you you're there in AAA, not a great start, but finished strong. Like, was there? Do you remember a time or anything that that got you locked in? Yeah, I remember very vividly. Um, I was pitching against the Rochester Red Wings in Rochester, and I had I think I had maybe gotten the first. Uh, yeah, I'd gotten the first out relatively easy, and the next guy up. Uh, on a, I think it was like an O two or one two count, hits a opposite field nuke off me, and I'm and at this point it's been like four or five straight just tough games. You know, I'm I'm just not happy, and I I slumped my shoulders and put my head down. You know, shouldn't have done it, but I was I was upset. I get the ball back, and I I notice time's been called, and I step off, and the manager's coming out. Gary Jones, the manager, is coming out, and he waves the whole infield off, and I was like, oh man, this is this is about to get real personal. So he comes up, and it's just it's just me and him, and I mean. He, he, uh, I mean, what he said, he, he, it, it definitely woke me up. You know, he, I won't get into, you know, the specifics, but, um, <laughs> I think, I think that's just between me and him. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, it woke me up. Um, and from that point on, I think, I mean, my mindset, uh, my attitude, my mentality was just so much different. Um, I finished that inning. I think I went two punch outs, finished the inning, just next to you guys, I punched out. And I think that was just a big shift in momentum for me. And I carried that confidence into my next outing and then just kept rolling. And I had a, a pretty decent end to my uh, AAA season. So you're tall. What, 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. What's that like? You know, you see everyone, like, the top of their head, everyone balding and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, fastball, what, 95, 97? In that range, yeah. Okay. Uh, and a changeup. Yeah. Anything else? currently refining a slider uh it's been through a couple different phases i went to instructs and i've put a lot of work into it and we're we're trying to refine it to uh, a, a solid third offering and the reason why i ask that is because uh, you can read scouting reports you can I can i've watched multiple of your outings just to do it because uh, i get bored and i'm like yeah this would be fun and the change is disgusting okay 
and so I always ask because, like, you hear two pitches. Okay, there's got to be a third. In some cases, there isn't. There's, you know, it could be Mariano. You could have the cutter and just dominate with that. But I feel like with a guy in your spot, there's always that 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 feeling of trying to go after the third, right? Getting that third pitch in that and that slider is, is is the case. What is it about that pitch that has been inconsistent for you, or just in general trying to find the 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 comfort level with it yeah I think uh it's definitely been a comfort thing I think I just haven't really used it so much because I've been able to I guess kind of get away with just using fastball changeup, and so I just don't I'm not throwing the slider consistently enough so I don't have a really good feel and then it kind of it I think it lost like maybe like four or five miles an hour in velo and that kind of raised some red flags so that's when we started to go with you know kind of more analytical approach looking at it on the slow-mo camera you know, spending that extra time in the instructional league to really um, kind of get a, a true feel of the pitch. How's that? I mean, that's a first, right? Doing the slow-mo and trying to f- figure out the Rapsodo, everything about release point, about how your finger – I mean, it, I find that stuff fa- fascinating because, you know, people could talk about, oh, you got to keep your fingers behind or your fingers are on the side. It's like, well, now you could tell exactly where they are on that whole thing. What was the, like, learning experience with that, like the technology part of it? It was an insane experience. Uh, really opened my eyes. That was something that, or this has been stuff that I've never dealt with before, you know, playing my whole entire life. And now to just see it up close, uh, have it broken down for me on a one-on-one level with the staff. Um, it's incredible uh, what they're doing. All these, the, the slow-mo camera is insane. Um, I learned so much just from watching how the ball came off my fingertips and, and was able to, to get a feel for the pitch just by watching that. I mean, it's, it's really crazy what they have these days. Did you get to see your change up? in in the slow-mo as well and see how it came off like dang that's pretty cool i actually only saw one because i didn't wasn't really throwing it too much because i was focusing so much on the slider but i saw one and to watch it in slow-mo um it was it was pretty interesting see i always find this fascinating this part because you go in and like the pitch design or the pitch you know structure of what you're going to be doing and in, in, in throwing a slider uh and, and you work on that you you work predominantly on that so how do you, you know, you go in the off season, you do all this stuff, you learn all this stuff, you go back, you're trying to, to, to make sure that you have that slider down. How do you not lose the feel of that changeup? I think just lucky for me, I, it's, this, this changeup I have now is my third grip that I've gone through, and I just happened to stumble on one that felt so comfortable to me. It feels just like my fastball in my hand. And, you know, you, know, you never lose feel for that for forcing fastball. So when it when it you know in the off season when I start throwing it for the first time start playing catch again it still feels like it's right there it's it's awesome. Jerk. <laughs> like I feel like we always like as hitters we try something it's like well, what was that other thing that I I, I forgot it like okay so you know <laughs> we talk about moving three levels last year well there's only one level that you want to get to this year and you're gonna be in big league camp so first off congrats second off. What was that feeling, getting that call? Yeah, thank you. Um, it was an incredible feeling, uh, getting the call from Mr. Josh Bonifay uh, early in the morning. Uh, definitely the best thing to wake up to is uh, is an invitation to big league spring training. He forgot you were on the West Coast. He, he did, and he, and he gave me a bunch of <laughs> a bunch of trash for it. <laughs> well, okay. So, with that being said, what you've done, what you've shown, you know, you're right there. When you go into big league camp this year, mentality is what? I think for me personally, it's just not try to do too much. 
uh, not try to go outside of the person that I am, just stay within myself and, you know, keep my head down, work hard. And, you know, at the end of the day, just kind of let the results speak for themselves. What's the, what's the one thing that you feel like when you get to camp is like, what are you most excited about? Like that's, I think I asked that to a lot of people because for me, it was that box. You have boxes of stuff. You get like a box and you're like, man, this is, this is Christmas all over again. It's February. This is amazing. Like that was always fun because it signified that the start of everything was happening. It was brand new. Everything's fresh. What is it for you though on this? Like your first big league, big league camp. What do you got? I think probably the most exciting thing for me is just being around all the big leaguers like Jake Arrieta, um, JT Real Muto, Bryce Harper, all those big name guys that, you know, you've never, you, you, you watch on TV and you always dream about playing with or playing against. And, and now you're going to be in the same clubhouse as them. You're going to be doing drills with them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most. And the faster you remind yourself you belong with them is when everything starts to click too. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right, so we're going to get into uh, the last part of this, and it is um, goals. And I always I, – I, I like to talk to people about goals, and I like – to know if they have goals. Some people just go like, I don't ever put numbers on anything. My, my goal was always to, you know, n- always, always be satisfied, never be content. And cause wherever you move, right. Like if you go up a level, you can't be like, you, you, yeah, you're satisfied with that, but you can never be content. Cause you always want to keep that hunger. 300 was a goal. And obviously the, this day and age it would change, you know, because you know, 300 isn't the same, but for you, a reliever, what is your goal? What is that main goal for you going into 2020? Um, I think the main goal, especially for 2020 is just at the end of the year, I want to be able to walk away no matter what, what happened, what the result, where I finished, I want to be able to walk away and say, you know, I did everything that I could. I worked as hard as I could. I put in all the effort that I could. And I'm satisfied, like you said, with, with the result. Boom. And relieving for the Philadelphia Phillies. That's another part of it. I could say it. You don't have to. But thanks for coming on. Pine Tar for breakfast. Connor Brogdon, good luck. Have fun at this. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me. And that was Connor Brogdon, your relief pitcher in the minor leagues that, again, 76 innings, 106 strikeouts, the 100, 100 mark. I think is a sign of uh, unbelievable stuff, whether you're in A ball, double A, triple A, big leagues, does not matter. The, the moment you become a st- uh, relief pitcher and and strike out 100 guys, that says a lot. So, Connor, obviously another humble guy, very quiet, and opening up a little bit about just what is the insecurity of or, or what makes him nervous around the media. And I think that is a part where – you know, fans don't understand. Not every guy's going to be outgoing and everything and, and have the, you know, that personality just to go out and, and be in front of the mic or, or talk on the radio or do anything. It's uh, it's a humbling experience for some guys. And they want to be able to come out of their shell. But some guys, you know what? That's who they are. Accept it. Love it. Because I do. And Connor, thank you for doing that. And I appreciate it. And this has been a great episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. Tomorrow or Saturday. We're going to have the Astros scandal. We're going to have the Red Sox scandal. Where does Major League Baseball go from this? On Pine Tar for breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. Hit me up with any questions. 
Let me know. Peace. Kevin Fritz is out of here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.